Let's do it. Perfect. Well, you're joining us back here. It's Phil Buolo, a.k.a. Sporting Phil. It's the away team with my co-host, as always. James Holis, what up? And we're going to dive into a bevy of basketball. But first... Hey, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I got to say, that intro we just did was like Podcast 101 for two just started a podcast. It sounded so formulaic, and I played into it, too, so I'm not blaming you. That was horrible. What up, Phil? What's good, boy? Just hanging out, man. Uh, been a big, big weekend in the world of the NBA, especially last night, uh, with a couple of big games happening. But before we jump into all that... Um, Let's hit some news around the league because we got a lot of t- we got a lot to cover today. I mean, the biggest thing, uh, the, the game of the century. That's a lot of hyperbole. Uh, the Thunder, the, the Warriors finally went to OKC. Kevin Durant, after after absconding to to Golden State, finally came back home and was greeted by a chorus of boos. The fans were on him, of course, and the game had a lot of fireworks. Very fiery. Uh, it's a far cry from the first one where Westbrook was really struggled and didn't play in the fourth. This one was actually pretty close, um, even though the Warriors dominated basically the second half. They got back down to 12. I think they got, they, I think they got to almost, yeah, they almost got to 10 early in the fourth, but the Warriors being the Warriors is just too much. Russell Westbrook won the individual matchup. He ended up with like 47 points, um, shot over 50%. Uh, took it right to Kevin Durant several times. And, you know, showed no fear as always, but. Too many turnovers. He had five in the first quarter, 11 for the game. And the whole team in general just shot the ball like they were shooting with their feet. Um, Does this game mean anything to the Oklahoma City fans, even though it's a loss? I mean, I think it does. But but at the same time, like this was like, as you said, outside of maybe Victor Oladipo dropping 20, this was the Westbrook show. And I think the 11 the 11 turnovers like like he almost had the quadruple double with you know 11 in the negative category having eight assists I, I think this proved more that you know Westbrook has that killer heart heart of the champion champion whatever you want to call it but you know he tried to force the issue but he has to right and I think that's just the sad reality for this right now like I think if you're an OKC fan yeah you had KD for for eight years you got to enjoy all that a lot of success and you're a small town and small towns don't usually get your big stars and you got one that wants to stay in Russell Westbrook but it it's kind of one of those situations where you're seeing where the NBA is going and it's tough man like if I'm an OKC fan I enjoy the heart that Westbrook put up and I enjoy the show but it's it, it it's just brutal for me Yes, I, I see the I see the opposite, man, because this this whole season is not about wins and losses for OKC, right? No, I don't think any other team has lost a guy like Kevin Durant and still been the playoff hunt. These guys are pretty solidly in the playoff hunt. They're going to make the playoffs. Um, I think it's more, like you just said, that Russ decided to stay, and we, we, we make – I think the, the, the concept of loyalty in sports is overblown because we know good and well if Westbrook blew his knee out tomorrow – um, it's not like the Thunder going to be like, oh, yeah, we'll keep paying you forever. It's not going to happen, right? And that's, that's just how it is. It really is a business. But I really think that um, it was it was a lot of catharsis, right? The fans got to, to tell Kevin Durant how they feel. They got to show him with the, the raining booth every time he touched the ball. And he played well. He played very well. But just the fact that Russell Westbrook took it to him, uh, Roberson and him had a, had a dust-up, and they went face-to-face, chest-to-chest. That means something to the fans, you know, because, hey, we're not the Warriors, but we, we, we have fight. We have guts. That means something to them. So 
Um, last question on this is: So, when do you think it stops? It stops becoming dramatic. How long until it stops becoming a thing, or, or does it ever stop becoming a thing? I don't know. If Kevin Durant's in Golden State. See, I don't even know if Russell Westbrook will ever allow it to not be right because, like, he gets so geared up to play in this matchup, and and he's had to convince his whole team. Like, I think the only time it changes is when a lot of these players on OKC cease to become. OKC Thunder like if they start doing a lot of moves and you move guys like Cantor and Adams and Robertson and guys who did play with KD and were there for the transition but I think as long as those guys are there and they were hungry man like like we're talking about teams that uh, uh, that have that blue collar mentality like like that's what this team is now and and I and I think I like I like they kind of look more like the Memphis Grizzlies to me now they're tough they're blue collar and the fans really appreciate that I mean like uh, you were giving me hell uh, the other show for kind of like saying how we should rip down uh, the Grizzlies. Like this is kind of the like like the same the same idea. You know, like like would you trade Westbrook in some world to get pieces because you know it's not enough? Maybe, but probably not. But at the same point, this is something that even though they're not gonna look, unless some players like I really just want to go play with Westbrook. I think this team is gonna be stuck in the spot it is for the next two three years, and then. And see, here's the thing. Presti's a very active guy, smart guy. He's, he's he's always working. I say Westbrook and Adams are the two untouchables. Everyone else is on the market. I think he's going to engineer something within the next by the next trade lo- trade lo- trade deadline. They're going to engineer something where they're going to have a pretty good upgrade at some position, even if they got to move a bunch of pieces. Um, and that's just because I think Presti understands that his time his clock is ticking with Westbrook. They don't have the time to do this for two or three years. He's in his prime right now. So they got to bring in something else. I think he has something up his sleeves. Um, I, yeah, I I think it was this was a really good game, and uh, no matter what, win or loss, they actually uh, Westbrook took a three. He came back in the game in the fourth, and that three would have cut it to nine, and we would have had a nice ball game, but he missed, and they came down and scored, and they they kept him at bay the rest of the time. But I mean, Westbrook is Oklahoma City superhero, and we we did not talk about this enough that they beat Cleveland a couple days ago that OKC beat Cleveland for the first time since 2014, a couple days ago. We haven't talked about that enough. And Westbrook was stellar in that game and closed the door. And his last five games, Westbrook Westbrook averaged almost 37 points, uh, almost 12 rebounds, almost 10 assists, and he's shooting 44% from the floor and 38% from three. I mean... It's going to be real, real tough for people not to vote for this guy for MVP. Um, I think the record's gonna stop it. Yeah. No matter what. People people like to see a, a nice shiny winning record. They're three and they're three and two over those last games. They beat Portland, Memphis, and Cleveland. That's a that's a big deal. Those you know are what? big that, wins. Uh, big wins over two pretty hot teams in Memphis and Portland, and one team that won the championship in Cleveland. Right. So those are three big serious wins. And then there were a three pointer from tying up and going to overtime with with Indiana. So they could have been four and one coming to this game. So uh, we spent too much time on that one already. I, it was a fun fun moment, uh, very emotional for the fans. And I keep seeing people saying like, "Oh, they shouldn't boo," and you know, "Oh, why are Thunder fans being?" It, obviously, I don't know how you how how invested you are in sports if you don't understand why the Thunder fans and the Thunder organization still feels a certain type of way to see Kevin Durant go and join the the nemesis. So. It's not, it's not it's no no point even talking to those kind of people. Real quick, uh, Joel Embiid uh, came out. He has a partially torn meniscus, a, a meniscal tear, which isn't a big deal. Uh, I guess it's the, they say it's not causing much pain, and they're going to just hold him out to after the All Star break. But the problem was they got footage of of Big Embiid dancing on stage at a concert at a rap concert. Meek Mill. 
Is that a good look for the the young star? That's some low basketball IQ right there. The guy's 22 years old. He's seven foot three. There's no way no one's gonna notice, and you have to take your your career way more seriously at this point. Like I realize you want to enjoy yourself, but you're just coming off a bunch of injuries, and that's the number one knock on you. You can't afford to, uh, for this to be any worse. Like I'm a huge Embiid fan, but I was pretty disappointed to see that. You know what scares me about that? Do you remember? Another talented center they had in Philly who was messing his knee up because he was doing stuff like going to concerts and walking around it on an uh, all-star break, Andrew Bynum. That's what bothers me. It's not so much that, hey, they said, and Colangelo said, it's not the, the, him being at the concert is not the problem. It's dancing at a concert on stage while you're missing games. That could be you know, a perception problem. He's he, he's a smart guy, and we know he's self-aware, but to not have the awareness to not do that is kind of worrisome to me. Well, that just screams culture problems to me, then. Like, if you're having no, a repeat no, guy no, no. saying that. No, no, slow down, man. Come on. Philly's, I think, has done a, a actually a really good job of uh, of building and installing a culture after looking terrible to begin the season. And B got a lot of traction to shine. I think they were 12-10 and 10 since January 1st, which is actually doesn't sound great, but it's one of the better records in the league. Um, hey, 12 and 10 is yes. pretty good considering how terrible they were last year. I mean, over 500 for this squad, uh, that's a good record. Yeah, and the fact that they've been doing it lately, like they, they beat uh, a very hot Miami team last night without Embiid. So that's it, it's showing that things are turning. I don't think it's a culture problem. I think it's a youth problem. I think he's just very young. Um, yeah, their 12 wins since January 1st is 10th in the league. Well, maybe they just need Cleveland. some more veterans in there to really kind of balance that out. Yeah, I mean, what's the veteran gonna do? He's not gonna go with Meek to the. He's not gonna go with him to the Meek Mill concert. I think it's just, he's just being young and dumb, and he'll learn. Uh, Colangelo and, and Coach say they talk to him, and I think they'll be fine. Um, yeah, I just want to see him back on the court. He's awesome. What else we got going on right now? Uh, oh, Charles Oakley thing. We gotta talk about Charles Oakley. Uh, it's it's been an ugly situation with the Knicks. Uh, the seasons fell off the rails on the court, and now off the court it's even worse. Charles Oakley's a New York legend. I mean, you say the name Charles Oakley, and people automatically think, you know, Anthony Mason, Patrick Ewan, tough, tough as nail, run through wall, Nick. John Starks. And John Starks, but somehow James Dolan has such an issue with Oakley that he has him now banned from the garden. Oakley was sitting down for less than, uh, the story's report says he was sitting for less than four minutes when security kind of surrounded him, demanded to know what he's being there. He'd bought his own ticket. Next thing you know, there's the ugly thing caught on camera where they're scuffling with him and dragging him out. And hamming up Charles Oakley, you know, it's in in, in today's climate to see a, a a gray-haired black man surrounded by you know white security, and they got their hands all over and dragging him out. It's a really ugly sight. He represents uh, at, at now at Rangers games and anything going on at the Garden, people start screaming Oakley, 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 and it's what on use one word sum up the Knicks season so far. I'm gonna say poisonous. Uh, on uh, my mind's that like like how people and 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 future free agents and current players are are, are going to view this team. Um, I think they're uh, they're poisoning their brand and their image. For sure, he's a New York legend. If you're showing that he gets treated like this and Melo's being treated that you know treated pretty pretty poorly, but he's been handled pretty poorly by Phil Jackson with the comments and tweets and stuff. This can't bode well for their free agency in the future. And it's amazing that James Dolan and Phil Jackson can't see that. Like, you know, these guys, they got to have some kind of awareness about brand and stuff. When it's 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 scary. Um, that's it for news and notes, man. I actually went a little long. So 
uh, I, I think you got you got something really interesting you wanted to kick off right yeah, now. Yeah, well, I mean, look, everyone's talking about the Warriors and Cavs, Warriors and Cavs, Curry, you know, KD, LeBron, blah, blah, blah. What I want to talk about what was, was the race for second, because in my mind, like, that's where it's getting real interesting in both conferences. I want to kick it off in the East, because right now, you have the Red Hot Wizards, we have the Celtics doing their thing, and we, and we have the Raptors kind of slumping a bit with DeMar DeRozan being out, he's back. You know, you know like... These are three guys, who, uh, three teams who I see on a very kind of uh, 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 even even level right now, we'll say. And so I'm just saying, how do we see them right now moving forward and, and just add a, add a little bit of fun into it? We see guys like um, uh, uh, Serge Ibaka and Wilson Chandler on, on the trade block. What do you think needs to happen like for one of these guys to vault over the other? Because... I see their kind of uh, their pros and cons as as pretty on par with each other right now, and and, and I was really down on the Wiz at the start of the at the start of the season. So for me to say this about them, I, f- I feel I've grown as a basketball fan, and and <laughs> and, and, and as a Canadian, um, like I know I'm not supposed to say it, but I don't know. I, I'm I I don't know if I completely believe in the Raptors makeup. Like like I know you're a Celtics fan, so uh, so trying to step away from a bias there, like like. Uh, how would how would you rank these guys going forward, and what do you think needs to happen? Um, so going forward, uh, things I look at I look at stuff like consistency, I look at depth, and I look at uh, I guess you know does the roster make sense? So the Raptors came out of the season and started seeing like gangbusters, and. Then, they were hot on Cleveland's heels, and you know Demar Derozan was getting all the headlines, and then Kyle Lowry started balling. The problem with the Raptors is, if you look at them, I think they had like one of the lowest assist rates of 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 all the elite teams. Is that really matter? I guess you could say no, but I mean historically, the teams that do really well are the teams that share the ball. Gold State is up there; their assist ratio is like twenty one point five. Um, the Nuggets, the Nuggets have been really balling since January first, and it's because they pass the ball, sharing the ball. The Raptors, since January 1st, I got to scroll all the way down. They're dead last in their assist ratio. 13% of their field goals come off assists. That's that's not good. No. It's not good. Now, it was masked by the fact that those two guys, DeRozan and Kyle Lowry, were just so dynamic offensively. Basically, you know, DeMar has been a flamethrower while he's on the court, and he's been unstoppable for mid-range, but... If you build your offense on that, and then when it goes bad, it goes really bad. And I think we're seeing that with Toronto right now. Um, in fact, we're speaking about the Raptors. They are only 10-12 and 12 since January 1st. Uh, the other end of the spectrum, the Wizards started off really slow, and they really struggled, and they've been red hot lately. Yeah. You know, They're 16-5 they're and five since January 1st. They really seem to have got together. John Wall and Beal are playing at this insane race, at, at a, you know, really high competitive levels. The problem with that, though, again, I said consistency. They look so bad for such a long stretch. And just like I said, Toronto looked so good earlier. Um, the Clippers start out the season looking so good. So you any you can take a snapshot of any of almost any team. Hell, even Philly went to that stage. Right now, Miami's won twelve. You know, I think 13, 12 of thirteen, and they just lost a night to Philly, whatever. But they've been on a hot winning streak. So it's cool to look. It's really nice to look good for a, a short stretch. It's how consistent can you be? Uh, with the Wizards, their problem is their bench still atrocious. Their starters are carrying like ungodly load, and no one off their bench is really doing anything except for Kelly Oubre, who's starting to come around. So, 
Uh, Boston is that team who all season long has been consistent. They haven't had any real down stretches, even when guys were sat out or, you know, injuries. Al Horford missed some time. Smart missed a little bit of time. Crowder missed some time. Isaiah missed a couple games. But they they, they keep on just kind of winning, and they've been chugging along. And since January 1st, they're 15-5. and five. It's third only to uh, Golden State. Then Washington is 16-5, and five, and they have one less win in Washington, so one less game. They've been really consistent. Um, my only pr- issue, I would say, when they depend so much on Isaiah Thomas, who is just lights out in the fourth quarters, and I think since the All Star, since the first of January, he's, he's averaging like thirty-three points a game. It's really hard to to see that staying as high as it is. But they're doing without Avery Bradley for the last couple of weeks, and I mean, it's uh, I, I I and it sounds biased. I I think Boston really has the the, the second seed on lock. I don't know, though, if I would say they have the best chance of upending the Cavs if it comes down to it. I think that might be the Wizards. See, I'm not sure if, like, like I I think both of those two things are are kind of, like, separate conversations. Like, Like, personally, when it comes to the playoffs right now, I actually still think... The Raptors have the best chance just because I I think when the game slows down and you're playing more half-court basketball, I think that's, to me, where the Wizards slow down a bit compared to the Raptors. Now, when you look at how these teams are created and where the points come from, the the Raptors are heavily focused on their two backcourt guys, DeMar and Lowry. Whereas when you look at teams like like Washington and Boston, you got a little bit more spread. Like, I know Isaiah Thomas is scoring a ton, but if you look after him, you got a little bit more spread. And and the, and the right. same thing with the Wizards. And uh, you guy like you guys you have guys like uh, um, Otto Porter who's like like I guess he's not a candidate for MIP maybe, but he's playing like super super well. He's gonna get paid after the season. And 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 they have a lot of balance in that front court. I mean like uh, 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 Markeith Morris and Otto Porter both averaging about fourteen point five points. So uh, they're both contributing. You have an athletic team. It's just I. I think my worry for Washington is they're one of those regular season teams with how they're built. And, and that kind of starts with John wall, I guess. Like, like if you switched up Kyle Lowry and John wall, like I think I would feel way different about, about the wizards right now, but because they're, they're, they're situated how they are. I like the Raptors a bit better. Now the interesting part is Boston for me, like you said, like I really like the idea of Al Horford, like way, way, way better than uh, uh, than JV or any of that front court jazz that that the Raptors are putting out there. And I like the different looks they can put, and and I like their contract situation going forward. I just still think that like if they're really gonna step up and try to play a team like Cleveland, they still need some trade. Like there's still part of me that doesn't think that the depth will win long-term in the playoffs against, you know, consolidating consolidating some of that. And I think Toronto has already done that. Like, I don't think any of them are there yet, but looking at these rosters, like right now, I think it's Toronto, but I just don't like their front court at all. I don't know. It's, it, it, it's really tough for me to say because there's a lot of me that likes Washington, but then again, it's just like, it's, it's that Chris Paul kind of John Wall thing. I just like, they're, they're there's some part of my brain that doesn't trust this situation come time when it matters. So if, so you're saying that again, it's, it's so hard to win with a nine shooting point guard. 
that you don't really trust Washington. Yeah, and, and look, uh, to be fair, Wall's been playing out of his mind. He's 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 one of the quickest end-to-end guards. He gets to the basket at will. Like, like, I am a huge fan of watching John Wall. I'm taking nothing away from him. I'm just saying, when it comes down to it, I don't think he's the guy that, that can bring you to the promised land. Um, and, and I think someone like Isaiah Thomas, even though he's tiny is more like like I actually believe in playoff Isaiah Thomas more in playoff John Wall and I know that may be sacrilegious to some people but there's just some part of how this team's built and I like that they play defense I, I like that they can throw a lot of looks at you I just kind of hope that Boston's able to you know take some of their secondary players and some of those picks and add someone at this trade deadline uh, uh, to compliment because like I think they're that kind of guy away from really stepping up like like uh, we're talking about you know uh, uh Serge Ibaka and Wilson Chandler in my mind if you add Serge Ibaka to any of these teams I think he's actually a perfect fit on all of them but if you add him to any of these teams if you add him on Boston it's over so, so I'll say this I, I agree with you about Serge the problem is that rental situation I don't see Ains giving up real assets for him uh and I think he'll look great in Washington, but again, Marquise playing so uh, Marquise playing so well, and I guess he's, he'd fit in the rotation between him and Gortat. Obviously, you can rotate him, so he can toggle between power forward and center. That's great. So, but as is, uh, yeah, Boston's Achilles heel again: size and rebounding. Man, they get killed on the boards, so that kind of scares me. So I go, if we're going, if we're going order of contention. I go uh, Celtics, Toronto. No, you know what? I want fresh blood. I, I want the Wizards. I go Celtics, Wizards, and then right now Toronto. Toronto's showing me that they have some real holes in that roster and they got some things to work on. Uh, How about you? I would say in terms of this year, I'm saying Toronto, Boston, Wizards in terms of like actual ability to like uh, contend right now. If we're talking about you know like like a like a two to five year range, um, I would flip that. I'd say Boston. <sighs> Washington, Toronto, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say the same thing, j- j- just because, like, I believe in the flexibility. I think they're playing too much money to guys like uh, uh, Mahini and such, but and Gortat, like, both making about fourteen, fifteen. But uh, 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 just an interesting uh, closing thought on this. We're, we're talking about Abaka. He's saying, uh, and reports have leaked that he actually wants to go to Toronto, and. I think it would be interesting, but I don't see them paying that much money for that many guys, including JV. Like, what do you think would be Toronto's ideal situation should, you know, Orlando find a trade for him and want to go to Toronto? Uh, They'd have to give up probably Pat Pat, Patrick Patterson, probably have to give up Powell, um, and then picks. You know, they they can't, not for free, so Pat Pat, Powell, uh, maybe Corey Joseph and then picks to get Ibaka probably. And if you're Toronto, you do that. You have to. I think we, as we've seen, you can't just be a two-man team with a bunch of role players. You need more. Uh, that's that's what happened. I think that's what basically was was the downfall of a lot of good teams. Uh, so I bought. Well, is Ibaka that third guy? I don't think he's even that good, but he's definitely an upgrade from everybody else they have. So. If they really are serious about challenging in the next couple of years, then I, I, that's a good move. They've got JV, Ibaka, DeMar DeRozan, Kyle Lowry. Uh, they're kind of all in. And, and I think that team probably th- throws some interesting looks to Cleveland. I think so. So, yeah, I think it, it's definitely a move that they think about making. Yeah. 
I I think it makes more sense for them. God, Boston needs help too. But uh, we're up against it, man. So it's uh, let's uh, do you want to? Yeah, what am I doing? What do I want to? I'm 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 co-host of the show. We're taking a quick break and we're gonna come back for the Western Conference race for the second. Do it. Be right back. You. What you mean you ain't never heard about the away team? What you mean you ain't never heard about the away team? The away team? The away team? Those guys, that's the away team. All right, and back from the break, back from the locker room, back from the tunnel. It's time for the Western Conference. First, first, first half we got a little bit too much love for the Eastern Conference. It's time for the it's time for the Western Conference. Personally, my favorite. That's where all my favorite teams lie. We're playing. We're playing race for second place right here. And the three contenders in this one, we got the Rockets, which makes sense. MVP candidate James Harden. We got the Spurs, which makes sense because everyone's kind of sleeping on them and how destructively good their their uh, their record is this year. And and just because I think they've deserved it all year, the Utah Jazz, because I think they're one of the most well-balanced rosters in the NBA. I'm not tipping my hat too much. Um, obviously, Golden State Warriors are killing it. Uh, everyone thinks they're the superpowers. They have everything going for them. But when it comes to the second place, we have three teams that are pretty drastically different in terms of the way they play, their age, their contracts, and a whole bunch. Um, how would you stack these guys up now and moving forward? All right, so Golden State's head and shoulders above everybody else, we think, we say, uh, even though Memphis has beat them twice. Uh, so we got the Rockets, the Spurs, and the Jazz. So there's a reason we don't have the Clippers in there. I just I don't have them in there because we haven't seen them with Chris Paul and be fully healthy for a while, so I don't really know how they're really going to stack up. I think uh, uh, they've just lost my confidence over the last few years. And if I want like a realistic chance to beat them, like I honestly, uh, I honestly think these three teams we've chosen, if they stay healthy, have have the better chance. So I will say, tip my hat to the Clippers. They've been, I think, Chris Paul's been out almost this whole time. They've went eleven and seven since January first. He, he's missed a lot of that, so that's pretty impressive. All right, so how do I stack them up? So I want to give the uh, pop tip of the hat. Spurs got to be number one. They always figure it out. Uh, and when they don't figure it out, it's a surprise. So I got to get them number one. I want to put Utah number two just because I love what they've done there. The depth, uh, the creating by Gordon Hayward and Rodney Hood, George Hill. The problem is they have been healthy. They can't seem to get healthy, and Hill keeps missing games. And when they're healthy, they're almost unbeatable. They've been amazing. But, but you know, they, they they just just a lot of knickknack injuries, and if that keeps up, it's going to be their downfall, right? Because if you, it's great to be able to say, "Hey, full strength, we can do this." If you're never full strength, it doesn't matter. Uh, so I got to go Houston second. Houston, a lot like, a lot like the Raptors, they had that great run early this season. I think they won nine in a row. Then they like they went like you know one and two or whatever. Then they won like ten in a row. Some stupid, some stupid like that. So they they had this great run, but they've been they've been kind of so so lately, right? And and it's it shows just the inconsistency of a season. Right now, Spurs have been that consistent threat, so they're number one. I guess Houston's two because they have that explosiveness with James Harden and the shooters. And then I had to put Utah three only because of their health. I think Utah, and his crazy thing is, I think Utah, when healthy, probably has the best chance of upending the Golden State Warriors. They just haven't been shown that they can stay healthy. I, I completely agree with everything you said there. And and in terms of Utah, I, I, I think, look, when it comes to a team that's going to beat Golden State, what you want is athleticism. Uh, you, you want long, rangy, athletic wings, and you want big physical point guards. 
and between all these guys, if they stay healthy, they definitely have. I think George Hill to guard a guy like Curry makes a ton of sense. Hayward, Hood, Burks, uh, Joe Johnson, we shouldn't sleep on him. Having D off the bench is a big deal. You know, guys like and and then you're able to throw so many looks and and, and just having the presence of, of Rudy Gobert is just such a game changer. Um, but uh, they do have to stay on, on the court, and and unfortunately, we don't have a magic wand to make it work. So. The Spurs are that team right now that have been showing and have been producing. I mean, considering uh, their record right now, um, it's really, really tough to say that uh, uh, that they're not um, uh, the top contender. The interesting part for me is where we saw the Spurs the start of the season compared to now. I think we're all a little bit worried about that front court. You know, Tim Duncan leaving. Now, we didn't have uh, shot blocking, but we've been seeing the emergence of one uh, uh, Dwayne Dedman and kind of just stepping up slowly, slowly. He had a big game last game. Um, and Jonathan Simmons playing some good ball. They have some, they have some nice wings. Obviously, Kawhi Leonard is putting in his vote for MVP, um, shooting 40% uh, from three, averaging close to 26 points a game. Alders doing his thing. Um Again, it's by committee, but that's how they've always played. Uh, uh, DeJunta Murray has had like an interesting start, even though he's not playing huge minutes. I think he's been a pleasant surprise for them. I don't know. I think th- this Spurs team is is going to be way different at the end of the season than we saw at the start, e- even though they're a group of veterans. Um, I think Deadman and Murray have added some cool defensive presence there. Um, the interesting part for me with the Rockets is that as much as I didn't believe in Washington when it came to playing that fast pace in the East, because they're going to have to play some teams like Toronto and Cleveland, I think that's one of the interesting parts that you can run in the playoffs with Golden State. So I don't know. Like, like I think the Rockets for me are, are a very matchup-based thing. Like, like if they have to play a team like Memphis or whatever, like I think that's tough for them when they slow it down. But if you can keep that pace, if there's one team that can stand with with, with Golden State in terms of just scoring and points on the board, it's got to be the Rockets, right? It's got to be. Uh, we 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 hardened the MVP candidate for that just that very reason. He's turned them into like a scoring machine, and I think they've tailed off recently defensively. That's where the problem would be, right? Because if you're gonna run with Golden State, Golden State. Since January first, I keep using January first because I just I like looking at the more recent data, right? To see how our teams are trending, uh, and you know, so that's like a month and a half since the first. Golden State's number two in defensive rating. Utah is number three in the league in defensive rating. Spurs are number one, and Houston's all the way down at number eight. Which, if you're top ten, you're still elite. So, but there's you know there's a difference between being number one and number two, number three, and number eight. So. Houston's actually a lot better than I thought they were. They'd, they'd been over that span. I was going to talk crap about how their defense has fallen off, but it really hasn't. So, um, yeah, I, I I don't mind us going. Houston is the the flavor of the month right now for that second best team in the West. The Spurs just figured out though. They just figured out right now their net rating over the last you know since the, since 2017 started second best in the league. They're beating teams. Well, no, as far as their offensive-defensive rating, their net rating is like almost 10. So they're 10 points better per 100 possessions than any other wow. team. Then Golden State. Yeah, Golden State's 14, you know, 14 points per 100 possession. And the next, Washington actually is playing right now since January 1st, man. They're third in the league in net rating. You know, that's it's it's 6.7 points per 100 possessions. So that's 
so inconsistent, man. Wizards are so inconsistent. So I, I, I have a hard time going away from the Spurs, though. Now, now looking at this, it's so hard. And Kawhi, if we're looking at the individual player leading those teams, I got to go Kawhi over James Harden because he's, again, that two-way player thing is thrown around so much. But he legitimately, you know, locked down on defense and it makes the team defense elite. At the other end, he's uh, he's shown he's a great individual scorer, too. He's shown a lot more one-on-one than people thought he could do, so... I'm going to stay with the Spurs, I guess, number as, as that, that next step. Now, but actually beating Golden State, yeah, I think it's – it's I think Utah's built for it defensively and Houston's built for it offensively. Yeah, no, it it's an interesting thing because, you know, you just said built defensively, built offensively, and then how they're built right now and running right now, uh, you would almost say that the Spurs are that kind of middle ground. So it's tough, like – like, if you have to say, okay, uh, so if we're putting them in that order, but who do you think is kind of the team best set in the next, uh, we'll put them in the same thing, like t- like two to four years kind of thing? The reason I'll go with the Jazz there is that they have so much depth and so many options. Exum, Exum just got back. He's really young. He's just learned the position, but he's long and he's defensive. And um, he can be a lot like George Hill probably if he learns how to shoot. He just can't shoot. Gordon Hayward's in his prime right now, lower end of his prime. So if they keep him around, which they probably they will. Um, Trey Lyles is really young, and he's shown a lot of promise at power forward. Rudy Gobert is locked up for the next four years, and he's pretty he's young, entering his prime still. Um, Derek Favors, as good as he is, might be the odd man out, and they can actually move him for a lot of wealth. They could move him for a lot of uh, value, right? He's young. He has some injury issues, but he's a really good power forward slash center. They could, like, hey, I would, I'd give up. I'd give up assets for him to come to Boston. I like him that much. He'd be he'd be a nice compliment, I think. Oh, besides I think Al he'd Horford. be really nice besides Al Horford. Because uh, uh, I was thinking down. right away Toronto, but I'm like that'd be a little slow with JV. But next to Al Horford, ooh, that's nice. And he's actually not that slow. I mean, but he's a plotting kind of guy. But yeah, you know, he can get up down the floor a little bit. He can contain. Uh, he can contain point guards a little bit on pick and roll. I would love to have Derek Favor. So. Um, I think they could flip him for more youth. Rodney Hood is young, you know. George Hill is it, his game isn't predicated on on uh, athleticism. So even as he's a little older, he's still very smart, very strong defender. So he can go for a couple years. If they end up throwing him another contract. So I think Utah. Utah seems like they're built for the long haul. Yeah, yeah, no, I'd agree. I mean, there's there's parts of me that that wants to look at Houston and and look at how old these guys are and and but I just can't do it. Uh, there's not as uh, uh, there's not as much outside of Harden that really tantalizes me to say like you know this guy in the future like like I kind of look at Capella I'll be like he'll be kind of cool but outside of that like we, like we kind of know who Eric Gordon and Ryan Anderson are and um, Trevor Reza, Corey Brewers Beverly like like these are good players but you know it's like if these guys turn out to be way better than they are right now I think that would kind of shock a lot of us um, the interesting part to me is is how San Antonio kind of plays the next couple years with guys like Powell and Aldridge. Because um, they got some uh, nice young guys. Like, like, like I'm super high on Murray. And, and and if you look at where they're spending some of their money, unfortunately, they're still, they're still paying cats like Manu Ginobili and Tony Parker, who, who, who do bring some value, sure. But at $14 million each, so their combined value is essentially a max deal on someone else. Like, like I don't know, like a guy like Derek Favors would look real nice in San Antonio too, um, bringing some defense. But 
I just think it's going to depend on do they choose to stay with some of their vets because I know they're still paying these guys for a bit. Um, but that's one of those teams that, like, I think the Spurs can pull a lot of talent to them, like, more than a lot of other teams. And and, and the Jazz are going to have to deal with a lot of contracts. Like, having all that depth is good, but you're going to have to pay these guys, right? Like, Joe Johnson's on a good contract. Burks is still being paid 10. Hill's going to need money after this year, and Hill's not going to sign for nothing. Um, uh, Exum's going to be up fairly soon. Uh, Lyles, um, another Canadian boy, is playing well, but that's only going to be for so like. Like, where are you really putting, like, all this money? Like, I don't know. I think at a certain point, they're going to have to make some major decisions to cut some guys. And if they don't have, and if your best player is Gordon Hayward, like, maybe it works. Hopefully. Like, like I like this team. But I think part of the reason why we like this team so much is because of that depth that they haven't had to pay for yet. Well, and that's the thing. You're saying, like, you know, hey, if your best player is Gordon Hayward, what do you really do? But when your best player is Gordon Hayward, but during your second best and third best are so close to true, Gordon Hayward, there's not you don't you don't have you don't have a lot of fall off from you know from your second best to your sixth best. There's not that much fall off because you got so much talent, and so much depth. That's a different that's a different ball game. And it's like you know you try to win by committee. You're able to rotate out, and so even your bench is like a starting lineup. So it's uh I liked it. I like the way they they built that team. It just sucks that they keep getting hurt. Cause we can't see them full strength and see them develop that continuity and, and see them figure it out as a team because they're always missing key pieces. Uh, yeah, so. it super kills me because like at those few times we do get to see them, we're just like we see Favors and Gobert roaming in the front court, and we see Hill and and Hayward creating in the back court, and just they, uh, they kind of have like like that great you know whoever's open will take the shot kind of flow of the Spurs. Uh, they have a nice tough kind of Memphis defensive mentality that uh, they've got some aspects and, and they seem to like each other. Like, like this is a team that like, uh, when's the last time we heard anything, you know, on a, on an interpersonal level in the news at all. With Cantor when they had, and then they Cantor got rid there. of him, right? And that's a good, that, exactly. And that's why building a, a strong culture is so important because I think even if there are issues in that locker room, we'll never hear about it, you know, and they all seem to be really professional. Um, and so it's, Utah is in a good spot. Uh, I think Houston's in a really good spot too, and it's so tough because the Spurs are too. I mean, Spurs are the Spurs, but Houston, like guys like uh, what's my guy's name, Sam Decker, Montrezl Harrell, uh, you know, Clint Capella. Those those guys are young and talented, and they're proving that they're proving their worth, and they're going to be around for years. And James Harden, you know, just in his prime, so it's tough. Pat Beverly's not that old, you know, so they're they're going to be together. They're going to be together too. So that's that's scary. Yeah. Yeah, uh, uh, going forward, it's tough, and even this year, it's tough because like all these guys are matchup based and, or um, or health based based on Utah, and and let's be real, if these guys uh, were in the East, yeah, uh, this would almost be a more interesting conversation because like I think all three of these guys uh, would have a real good chance of of, of giving uh, 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 Cleveland a good run. Word. So who you got then? So you're saying uh, in the West, give me your three. Uh, right now. So uh, uh, for the next uh, two to four, I'll say Jazz San Antonio Rockets. Okay. How about this year? Which which one would have the best chance of actually upending the Golden State Warriors? Say they made the series. Are they healthy or, or just like uh, 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 we have to guess? 
Answer the question, Canadian. Uh, Spurs, Rockets, Jazz. Just because I don't trust them being healthy. Wow. Okay. That's, that's legit. And I, I look at and it I'm a as big, a... And I'm a big fan of Deadman. Like, I think he changes a lot on that team with him coming through. For sure. I said that all season. That, you know, look, Deadman's what what most teams need as far as the modern NBA. You know, they needed that uh, a rim running, shot blocking, rebounding big man who doesn't demand the ball otherwise. Just throw the ball up to him, let him dunk, and let him. He's happy with eight points and 12 rebounds and, you know, a couple blocks. And that's exactly who Deadman is. I would give my eye teeth for a guy like that in in Boston. Oh, oh man, he would look so good next to Horford. Absolutely. Okay, so we've uh, we've given our picks, so we'll have to see how these turn out to come. Obviously, playoff time, and uh, yeah, so that's been the East, that's been the West, that's been the Notes, and this has been the Away Team Podcast. I'm Phil and James. I want to thank you guys for listening and catch all of our articles and more on PressBasketball.com. Try to keep it fun.